let's go ahead and uh, pray before we open up God's word together tonight. Father, we thank you for the ability that we have to gather together as your people, to sing praises to your name, to pray together, to open up your word and just bask in your glory and in the truth that's found in it. Lord, I have absolutely nothing to say tonight in and of myself. Lord, tonight will be productive. Tonight will be beneficial as long as we are following you, as long as we are faithful to your word. So Lord, help us to have hearts that are in the right place. Right now, Lord, soften our hearts to receive the truths that you want to speak to us tonight. Lord, give us minds that understand your word tonight. And Lord, when we leave here, Lord, help us to be even more passionate about your glory than we were when we came in. Lord, help us to love you even more than when we got here tonight. Lord, we'll give you the glory for it all. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if I haven't gotten the chance to uh, meet you yet, my name is Tommy Campbell, and I'm blessed to serve here at Idlewild as our young adults pastor. And uh, as always, every time we get to come on a Wednesday night and open up the word with everyone, uh, it is just always a huge privilege. So very thankful for, for Pastor Edgar asking me to, to come open up the word tonight. So tonight, uh, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you can go ahead and start turning there. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've been in a series called The Church and the Christian Life, and we've wound down on that series. That's over now. And we're getting ready starting next week to start a new series where we're gonna be walking through the one another statements uh, to believers in the New Testament. And so tonight's message here in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, it, it kind of ties into both of those, the series we're coming out of and the series that we're gonna be going into because what we're gonna be looking at tonight is the body of Christ. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts in the church. And he's writing to the church at Corinth. See, the Bible teaches that each Christian, when they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit out salvation, then begins to express a spiritual gift or multiple spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts are brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the purpose of these gifts that God gives us through the power of his Spirit is to build up other Christians in the body as we live in biblical community and as we seek to make disciples and glorify the Lord together. So tonight I want us to walk specifically through verses 12 through 26. And here Paul is gonna use the picture of the human body as a metaphor. And he's gonna paint this picture to highlight both the unity and the diversity that we find in the body of Christ and in the local church. The human body, it's made up of 206 bones, and 78 organs. And each of these parts of the body has its own unique design and function. No one part is like the other. But even though these parts of our bodies are different from one another, they all make up one body. In fact, the fact that they are different from one another is what makes them a body. Because if every part of, part of our body were just ears, we wouldn't be a full human body, we'd be a pile of ears. 
If we were all just uh, hair and that's all we were made up of, we wouldn't be a human being. We would just be a pile of hair. But it's when the parts are different and yet unified and thus complementary to one another that they make up a full body. And so here Paul is going to use this metaphor of the body to present some truths to believers and by extension to us tonight about what it means to live together in biblical community as the body of Christ. So let's go ahead and read our passage for tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start reading together in verse 12. The Bible says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ, or so also is the body of Christ. Verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I want us to see three truths from this text tonight that will help us shape the way that we think about the local church, the way that we think about biblical community. The first truth from this text I want us to see tonight is this. Number one, in Christ, we are all part of one body despite our differences. In Christ, as believers, we are all part of one unified body despite our differences. Look back in verse 12. He says, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized in one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Look at the reality that Paul presents here. He says, all those who are in Christ, all those who have died to themselves and followed Jesus by faith, are part of one body. It's inseparable, no matter how different they are. He says that everyone who is a Christian is part of one body because we all have one spirit within us, which is the Holy Spirit. This is similar to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six, where he's talking about unity, he says this. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So here, what Paul is emphasizing is that because each Christian has the same Father, because each Christian was bought by the blood of the same Son, and because each Christian has the same Holy Spirit dwelling in them, we are all one, despite any other differences that we may have. Here in this passage, he gives a couple different examples for them in this local church of the differences that they would have had. In verse 13, he says, whether you are a Jew or you're a Greek, you're one in Christ. He says, whether you are a slave or you are free, you're one in Christ. A Jew and a Greek, a slave and one who's free. These would have been some of the most obvious opposites in the culture that that church lived in. This is like us saying today, hey, whether you root for Ohio State or Michigan, you are one in Christ. Hey, whether you're on this end of this theological spectrum or you find yourself disagreeing with them and you're on this end of a theological spectrum, you are still all one in Christ. Whether you voted for this guy in the last election or you thought those people were crazy and you voted for this guy in the last election, you are still all one in Christ. Paul says here that in Christ, no matter how different we may be, we are still part of one body. That's why one of our core values here at Idlewild is unity over uniformity. Because the Bible doesn't teach that we all need to look the same or dress the same or have the same preferences, but it does teach that we need to be unified around the gospel, around God's word, despite our differences. And if you are a Christian, Whether you realize it or not, the strongest bond you have is with other brothers and sisters in Christ. See, in Christ, you have more in common with a Christian in Afghanistan who you don't know and may never meet on this side of eternity than you do with your best friend here in America who's not a believer. In Christ, you have more in common with the Christian of a completely different ethnicity and culture than you do with an unsaved person who you share DNA with. In Christ, you have more in common with the Christian whose political positions are the exact opposite of yours than you do with the unbeliever whose ballot looked the same as yours on election day. See, in Christ, we are part of one body despite all of our other differences because in Christ, we all have the same Holy Spirit residing within us. Second truth we're gonna see tonight is this, number two. In Christ, you have a place in the local church. And your local church here, this local church, is incomplete without you. In Christ, believer, you have a place. You belong in the local church. And your local church is incomplete without you. In verse 15, Paul's going to use this analogy of body parts to describe believers with different characteristics and spiritual gifts. And in this analogy, different parts of the body are going to be speaking and they're going to be comparing themselves to other parts of the body. Look in verse 15. He says, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, then I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. And what we see here is this, that just because you feel like you don't belong, that does not change the objective truth that you belong. 
Just because you don't always feel like you fit in or feel like you have a place within the local church, that does not change the objective truth that you belong. A foot saying, hey, because I'm not a hand, I'm not really a legitimate part of the body. That does not make the foot any less a part of the body than the hand is. An ear saying, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't actually really belong in the body. It doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And in the same way that these parts of the body here in 1 Corinthians 12 are comparing themselves to each other. So often we look to other people in the church and we compare ourselves to them and we focus on our differences. And when we do that, we often end up feeling like we may not have a place in the church because we're different from others or because we don't contribute in the same way that others can contribute. But keep reading in our text. Look at what Paul's response to this kind of thinking is. Verse 17, he says, if the whole body were an eye, then where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. If they were all the same part, then where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. The Bible says that God has sovereignly placed each person into the body and given them a specific role. And each person's role, each person's gifting, what each person brings to the table and the power of the Holy Spirit is different on purpose. It's intentional. Because when each person's role is different and everyone fulfills their role in the power of the Holy Spirit, then the body can come together and function the way that it's supposed to. Some of us in here are encouragers. Some of you have the gift of encouragement and the Holy Spirit works through you to speak words of life into other people here in the local church. Some of you have the gift of leadership or administration and the Holy Spirit works through you to see that the operations of the local church run efficiently and effectively. Some of you have the gift of teaching and the Holy Spirit works through you to explain scripture to others in a way that they can understand. Some of you have the gift of mercy or of serving, and the Holy Spirit works through you specifically to help those in need and serve others in the body of Christ. We all have different gifts. There's a variety of spiritual gifts presented in Scripture. And the focus of these gifts is not the gifts in themselves. Sometimes we treat spiritual gifts like the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or another personality test where we're like, okay, well, like, this is me and I'm going to find my identity in this and you're that and I'm this and we really uh, get a little bit nitpicky with it. But the focus is not the gifts in themselves. The focus isn't that we try to find our identity in one gift or another. The focus of these gifts is building up the body of Christ and the furtherance of the gospel. And you may come to church sometimes and feel out of place. Or you may feel like you have nothing to contribute here because you're not the same as everybody else that you see. But you can trust that according to God's word, you have a role to play in the local church and the local church needs you. And we are incomplete without you. You may not sing on stage, but you can encourage others to sing to the Lord wholeheartedly as you lead by example from your seat. You may not ever come up here and preach, but there's a brother or sister that you can pray with or 
talk to and check up on as they're going through a time of hardship. You may not be a Bible fellowship teacher, but you can help to stir someone else in the church's affections for Christ by getting coffee or lunch with them and talking about how God is working in your lives. You may be relatively new, and you may not know a lot of people here, but you can still show the love of Christ by finding someone when you come into the worship center who's alone and sitting with them and being a friend to them. Everyone who is a follower of Christ has a place in the local church, and whether you feel like you belong or not, you do belong if you are a believer because you have something unique to contribute in the power of the Holy Spirit. The final truth we'll see from this passage tonight, and this is where a lot of the application comes, is this, number three. Our identity as the body of Christ should produce an others-focused mentality in us when we gather as the church. The truth that we are one body Our identity as the body in Christ, how should it affect us? How should it affect what we do? How should it affect how we think? It should produce in us an others-focused mentality every time we gather together as the body. Paul continues on, and at the end of this section, he gives some practical application. Look back in verse 23. He says, In those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. Verse 25, so that, what's the purpose of this? So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Paul says here that the two truths that we've looked at, the truth that one, we were all one body in Christ despite our differences, and the truth that we all have a unique and necessary place in the body, it should produce three things in us. First, Paul says that because of these truths, we should not be divided in the body. Look in verse 25, he says, so that there would be no division in the body. Oftentimes when a problem arises between people in a congregation, one of two things usually happens. Either one, the people who have the problem with each other will bring others into it, leading to the creation of factions, and now there's a divide between a lot of people in the church. Or two, one or both of the people will just run away and leave the church altogether because they simply had a problem with somebody else. But according to God's word, there should be no division in the body. In other words, the biblical response to a problem between two people in the church is not creating factions and trying to get people on your side. It's not through gossiping or slandering. And it's certainly not through just ignoring things and running away. No, rather, God desires that the members of the body would be reconciled to one another and move forward together on their mission because we are one unified body of Christ. And it could be that even tonight, as we're looking at the truth of unity in the body, the Holy Spirit may be bringing someone to your mind or heart who you know has a fault against you or you know that you have a fault against here in the church. And if that's you, 
God does not want you to settle for simply ignoring them. No, there should be no division. God wants you to be reconciled to that person, even tonight. And it may be for some of us, as soon as this message is done and we leave this place tonight, you send uh, a text or you make a call or you pull someone aside and you talk with them and you pray with them and you're reconciled one to another. Paul also says that because of these truths, we should all have equal concern for other members of the body. Verse 25, he says that all the members would have the same concern for each other. Because we're the body of Christ, because we're a unified body made up of a diversity of parts, we must all have equal concern for one another. Now, here's the thing. It is okay to have friends in church, especially a church this side where, size where you come on Sunday morning and there's thousands of people. It's a normal thing that you might have a group of friends. It's okay that you might have a better natural connection with some people in the church than others. I'm a pastor here, and there's some people in the congregation who I am closer friends with than others because we just have a better natural connection. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, the fact is that we as believers, as the whole church, we have a bond that surpasses all earthly bonds that are based on things like age and stage of life and career and hobbies and politics. And because of this, every person in the church is someone that we should care deeply about and someone that we should seek to be in relationship with because we should have equal concern, equal care for all the members of the body, not just those who are like us. When we gather as a church, and you see somebody in the congregation or maybe someone who's recently joined the church and joined your small group and you see that they're clearly different from you. What's your first response? Is it to pass judgment on them because of their differences? Or is it to celebrate the diversity that God has brought to your local church and to form a relationship with them as a way of proclaiming the truth that God has reconciled us to himself and to one another in Christ. Lastly, because of these truths, we should suffer together and rejoice together as one body. Verse 26, so if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Whether they've experienced the same hurt or not, all members of the body of Christ are to empathize with those in the body who are hurting. If another believer in the church is suffering, it's not their responsibility to prove to me that their pain is real. And I cannot ignore their pain just because I have not experienced it for myself. Rather, the burdens and the heartaches and the struggles of one become the burdens and the heartaches and the struggles of all. Paul says here, not only are we to mourn together, but we're also to rejoice together. Oftentimes in our sinfulness, instead of rejoicing with others in the body, what we do is we become jealous. We wish that that were us. But the thing is, because we are all one, that means that the win of your brother or sister is your win as well because we're all on the same team going forward on the same mission, not for our own glory, but for the glory of God. 
So tonight from 1 Corinthians 12, we've seen that in Christ, we're all part of one body despite our differences. And we've seen that we all have a place in the local church if we are in Christ. And we've seen that our identity is the body of Christ. That should drive us to have an others-focused mentality every single time we get here together. If you're here tonight, though, and you have never placed your faith in Christ to save you, biblically, what that means is that you are not part of the body. Yet, because the good news is that you can be. The good news is that through Jesus Christ, God is reconciling all people and all of creation to himself. You were created for fellowship with union with God. That's what life is according to the Bible. It's true fellowship, true union, true joy that comes from walking with God. But every single person who's ever been born, except for Jesus Christ, has a problem. The problem is called sin. It's the things that we do, it's the attitudes of our heart, it's the words we speak that fall short of the glory of God and his standard of righteousness. Because we are sinful and because God is perfect, it creates a necessary gap between us and God. But the good news is that God loves us so much. He didn't want us to die in our sin, to spend eternity paying for our sin in hell. No, he loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth, live the perfect life that you and I should have lived but could not, and die a criminal's death on the cross that we deserved. And he bore the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, on himself. And he didn't just stay in the grave as we celebrated just this past weekend. No, he rose to get to victorious life. And he says that all who follow after him, who place their faith in him, will be saved. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, place your faith in Christ tonight. Because Jesus and the rest of us in here as the body of Christ are ready to welcome you with open arms.